Welcome to the First Pres Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.20, 9.45, and 11.10. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Hear the word of the Lord. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word this morning, which changes us. We ask that the seed of your word would go deep into our hearts and our lives today as we move into this new year, that you would plant, that you would grow and water your life within us. Lord, help us to be open and receptive um, to your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. So our passage today speaks of a future event the second coming of Jesus. Some of us call it, or some theologians call it, the second advent of Christ. We've just finished celebrating the first advent of Christ, right? Jesus coming to earth as a baby to deliver us from our sins and to call us to follow him. But there will be a second advent, another time when Christ comes back. And the scripture tells us that it will be a glorious time. All the angels will come with him. The king will sit on a glorious throne, and all the nations will gather together before him. Jesus gives a glimpse in the scripture of the future reign and rule of God, which will be complete at that time. It will be a time when all are made new, redeemed, restored, perfected. And if you recall in the book of of Revelation, John also gives an image, a picture of what that will look like. He talks about a new heaven and a new earth coming down like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And John says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. The best is yet to come. When Isaac Watts wrote the hymn, Joy to the World, he originally wrote it as a hymn for the return of Christ, not for Christmas. He wrote it about a time when all would be complete, when our joy would find completion in the coming again of the Lord, when Christ comes again to put all things right, to redeem everything, and that he would rule over the world with truth and grace. That is our future reality, where all things are headed. We, however, live in the now, this in-between time, between when Christ has come and when he will come again. So as God's beloved people... 
living now in this world and this time? How are we to live in this in-between time? Is this life merely a vapor, a meaningless drifting, drifting on the earth? Or is it a time that we have been given full of meaning and purpose? The book of Ecclesiastes, which Chuck read from earlier, opens with the teacher saying, meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. And he goes on to write about life being wearisome and frustrating, a generational cycle of forgetting what was before and knowing nothing of the future. And the best we can do, he says, is to eat and drink and find satisfaction in your work. But the writer of Ecclesiastes, as you heard, also hints at a larger purpose being worked out on earth, time and seasons that follow God's plan, and an eternity set in each of our hearts that can only be grasped with the help of God. Our passage today, Jesus speaks quite clearly about the in-between time and how we are to live in order to be ready for his coming again. And so I'm simply going to offer today three reflections as we prepare to come to this table and as we prepare to enter this new year and all that God has for us together. So reflection number one, how we live matters. In Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, beloved story of Christmas, the ghost of Joseph Marley, as you know, shows up to tell Ebenezer Scrooge that a reckoning of his life is coming. And if he doesn't change his ways now in this present life, he will be sentenced to the chains of greed and the cold heart that he has in the life to come. The way that he spends his life in the now sets his trajectory into death. The foretelling of Marley to Scrooge is a warning for him, but it's also a moment of love. The good news for Scrooge is that he has time to change. In our passage today, Jesus indicates that when he comes, there will be a separation. There will be sheep and goats. Theologian Dale Bruner indicates that in that culture of that time, there would have been a pen for sheep and a pen for goats. And at nighttime, the shepherd would lead his flock and he would separate the goats into their pen and the sheep into their pen. It's a difficult passage that we read today because it indicates that not everyone will be invited into eternity with Jesus. It is, in essence, a warning, but it's also a message of love, for we have been given the gift of time. And so, like Ebenezer Scrooge, we've been offered a chance to examine our lives, to respond now to the call of Jesus on our lives in this life. And we've been given the mission to share that good news with others that nobody might spend an eternity without the Lord. So the surrounding chapters of Matthew right here around 24 and 25 give a few more details about that time. Um, Notably, Jesus remarks that nobody knows when that future time is coming, when Christ will come again. The angels don't know, not even the Son of Man knows. Only the Father knows the time. So in effect, don't waste your time trying to figure out when that time will come. Jesus also raises the importance of being ready. For the future to arrive, to keep watch, to be prepared, to follow the Lord, to listen to him. Don't be caught off guard. Stay focused on the Lord and living for him. In other words, in this time that we've been given, how we live matters. As you think about your 2017, your 2018, 2019, and beyond, be wise with your time. Be watchful for the Lord and be responsive for Jesus 
in your life. Just this past weekend, over Christmas weekend, my family, um, extended family, gathered at my brother's house in Denver. Um, and my brother is very intentional. And before we were allowed to open gifts, he made us do this little exercise, which was, which was good. But he said, using the passage of the fruit of the Spirit, you know, joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. If you were to pick one of those, what would you ask God to grow in you for this coming year? Just think about that. What, if you could think about all those things, what would you want God to grow in you in this coming year? And we went around. We all had to share, even the kids. Um, and everybody had something to say. You know, as the calendar turns from one year to the next, I tend to think about things I want to accomplish in the coming year. And it was a challenge to think about what do I want God to grow in my heart and in my life? What would you say? What would you want God to grow within you in the coming year? What kind of work would you want the Spirit to do? And will you give God space to grow that in your life? It matters. Reflection number two. The call of the beloved is to love. Jesus indicates from our passage that he will be looking for something very specific when he returns. He's looking for sheep. It is the sheep who will hear the voice of their shepherd inviting them to come into the kingdom prepared for them from the beginning of time. It is the sheep of the Lord who know the voice of their shepherd and have responded to his call to provide food and drink and clothing, healing and visitation to those in need. The call of Jesus is to give away the love that we have received, to concretely give away the identity of the beloved to others. And that's done, Jesus says, in the meeting of very basic needs of those who lack them. Anyone can meet those needs. Pay attention, he says, to your fellow man. God's beloved people become a channel of blessing to all the peoples of the earth. That is our mission. Now, I don't know if you saw the article last week in the Gazette on, um, of the honor that's been bestowed upon Colorado Springs in this last few weeks, but the most recent analysis has identified our city as one of the most caring cities in the country. Did you see that? Number seven, to be exact. And the study was put together around three criteria, caring for the community, caring for the vulnerable, and caring in the workforce. And some of that care specifically had to do with sheltering the homeless and the percentage of income that is donated to charity. Um, what an honor for our city to be recognized in that way. Caring for others, especially the vulnerable, is a deep biblical value that we hold as part of our mission here at First Press 2. And we as a church in our city will continue to be a part of our city um, as a place for caring for those in need. But as wonderful as it is to make the top ten list of meeting others' needs, and we need to continue to strive to do that, Jesus pushes us in this passage for a deeper reflection. According to Henry Nouwen, um, theologian and priest, the primary questions we individually need to be wrestling with are these. Am I in love with Jesus? Do I know the incarnate God? Where is Jesus in this exchange of love? Nouwen goes on with these words, which I, I think are poignant for, our, for us today. In our world of loneliness and despair, 
there is an enormous need for men and women who know the heart of God, a heart that forgives, that cares, that reaches out and wants to heal. In that heart, there is no suspicion, no vindication, no resentment, and not a tinge of hatred. It's a heart that wants only to give love and receive love in response. It's a heart that suffers immensely because it sees the magnitude of human pain and the great resistance to trusting the heart of God who wants to offer consolation and hope. Our passage today not only speaks to the imperative of God's people to care for those in need, but Jesus seems to indicate that the place where we meet him and know him is in the needs of others the needs of the least of these, the vulnerable, those whose basic needs are at risk. I know for myself that when I take time to enter into another's need, to listen, to care, to respond, that I find myself changing, becoming a different person. You may know that too as you think about your life and the places where you have moved towards another person out of their need. As we seek to make concrete the love of God, in those around us, we are changed. The love of God compels us to pour out that love to others. And in turn, entering into the needs of others gives us deeper access to Christ and the work he is doing in our lives. C.S. Lewis's work, The Great Divorce, fascinating novel, tells of a bus ride. Maybe you've read it, From Hell to Heaven. Those who have found themselves to have died and gone to hell have the opportunity to take a trip to heaven with the possibility of choosing to stay there if they would like. But as the novel goes on, once they are in heaven, they actually don't want to stay. It's too painful to be in heaven. Their bodies cannot handle heaven. Everything is sharp and painful. The voices and the noises are too loud. And in the end, they get back on the bus to return to hell following Jesus and being responsive to his call in our lives changes us. Really. And I think that's what Lewis is getting at. That apart from Christ, we are not fit for heaven. And that leads to reflection number three. We are not fit for heaven. The Christmas hymn, Away in a Manger, seems like a sweet lullaby for children to sing. And it is. It's gorgeous. But the final verse is actually pretty radical. In that verse, we ask Jesus to stay close, to change our very nature into a nature that is ready for life eternal with him. The words read, And fit us for heaven to live with thee there. We are not fit for heaven yet. But the transforming love and call of Jesus prepares us and fits us for the life to come. Our time here on earth is this in-between time, but it's pure grace and mercy. The time the Lord has given us that he might fit us for heaven. Interestingly, if you look at the Gospel of Matthew, the very first words of Jesus to Peter and Andrew in Matthew's Gospel are, Come, follow me. And you remember at once they follow. They drop their nets. They're immediately responsive to the call of Jesus. And here, in chapter 25, Jesus indicates that the final words the king speaks to his sheep at the end of time are come into the kingdom that has been prepared for you from the beginning of time. Dale Bruner notes that it is those who are responsive to Jesus' first words, come follow me, 
who will hear Jesus' final words of come into my eternal kingdom. As we listen to Jesus and follow Jesus into the world, we are becoming something new. We are being changed. We are being recreated for an eternity with Christ. Now, as I read this passage, I've been pondering all week um, the response of the righteous in this passage. You remember they say, Lord, when did we see you hungry, thirsty, a stranger, sick, in prison? When? Uh, we don't know what you mean. What, what are you talking about? When? When did we do that? When? When? And I kept saying, well, well, don't they know? Can't they point to the times when they actually did something concrete and loving for another person? And as I've thought about that, I think it's something like this. Someone who is simply acting out of their nature, out of who they are, actually doesn't keep track. The new nature has become so much who they are that they don't notice. It's second nature to just respond to Christ when they see a person in need. Love does not keep a record of the good things it has done. Love does not keep score. Love does not boast. In our former nature, we absolutely do keep track, right? Trying to earn our goodness. If I can just do more good than bad this year, I'll be safe. My resolve for this year is to just try harder, to do better. Of course, we all want to be the best Um, our best selves, the best version of ourselves. But what if trying to be your best, as the teacher of Ecclesiastes says, is ultimately, ultimately meaningless? A chasing after the wind, and that apart from Christ, we can do nothing, as Jesus says in the Gospel of John. What if ultimately true life rests in the ability to know the voice of the shepherd, to become responsive to Jesus, and to fall more deeply in love with Jesus? and to follow wherever he leads, which is right into the desperation of a world who needs to know love, needs to be clothed, healed, filled. And somehow in following Jesus into the deep and gaping wound of the world, we are changed. He fits us for heaven. You know, in a moment, we're going to come to this table, the table of Christ. Christ gives us this table in the in-between time and commands us, invites us to eat from it so that we would be nourished, that we would learn to receive the food of Jesus on this journey that he's called us to. This is food for the baptized, those who have said yes to Christ's call to follow him. This is a table of love, which equips us to love. It's a table of joy, a sign of joy, of that time when Christ will return and make all things right. So as we come to take and eat, may the life of Christ in us and the promise of his return shape us as we head into a new year. Let's prepare for the table. As we prepare to respond to Jesus' invitation to eat at his table, Let's take a moment of personal confession and reflection to bring our sin before the Lord in this moment of quiet and to ask forgiveness. Let's take a moment in the quietness of the room to come before the Lord. Let's pray.
In the name of Jesus, we pray this morning. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Let's pray together. Lord, on this first day of the new year, we come before you and give thanks for your forgiveness in our lives. Thank you that you set us free to live our lives for you. Thank you for this table which provides us with an abundance of life and the fullness of your grace. A table that fits us for heaven. Today, Lord, we pray for those who do not have an abundance of bread or drink. We pray for those who do not have shelter and for those who are alone. We ask for your provision in places where resources are scarce. As you strengthen us by your word and at your table, help us to respond to your call to love others, to ease suffering where we see it, and to be servants of your good news wherever we go. May we feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, visit those who are sick or in prison, and clothe those who do not have covering. Lord, we also come to your table today soberly aware of the evil in the world. We thank and pray today for Istanbul, Turkey. We ask for comfort and for care in that place. Help us, your church, to be a people of prayer and faith and strength. May your church burn bright with your light and hope in a broken world. Feed us today, Lord. Take these ordinary elements, this bread and this cup, and by your spirit do an extraordinary work of grace in our lives and in this coming year. May we be fully present to you as we eat at your table. We belong to you, Lord Jesus. And hear us today as we pray together the prayer you taught your disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at first-prez.org.